Thanks for listening, everyone. What we're going to do here is just a, a really quick podcast. I'm Brad Gray from Racing New South Wales about the international runners ahead of the championships. One of them is, is of course, running there at Rose Hill on Saturday. He's eminent. Now, I've brought in Sky Racing's international expert, Andrew Hawkins. Hawk, welcome. Uh, and hopefully you can give the punters a little bit of an insight uh, to the background of these four internationals we're about to see. Yeah, hopefully, Brad. Uh, very interesting, as always, to have these horses visiting and trying to line up these international form lines is always somewhat perplexing. So it's an, an interesting and uh, fascinating puzzle that awaits over the next few weeks. Yeah, well, that's where you hopefully come in. You can give us a, a little bit of a steer. We'll go through them. Uh, the first of them, we'll start off the top, and he's running in, on Saturday in the Ramvert. He's eminent. Uh, to people overseas, he was just eminent. We've got the little extra bit on there at the front because there already was an eminent racing around in Australia. Now, what can you tell us about this bloke? Interesting horse, this, because he was considered one of the better three-year-olds going back to 2017. Um, he was one from one as a juvenile, as a two-year-old. Uh, came out first up as a three-year-old in uh, April 2017 and won the Group 3 Craven Stakes uh, over the uh, mile at Newmarket. That set him up as the second favourite for the 2000 duties. He finished six that day to uh, Churchill, uh, then went on to the derby over the mile and a half and finished fourth to uh, Wings of Eagles. Uh, second was uh, Clips of Moore, who we saw down here in the uh, spring. And then uh, third was Cracksman, who was obviously raised alongside Winks in uh, last year's World's Best Racehorse Rankings. Uh, his three-year-old form was terrific, and there are a number of Australian uh, elements there. Like, if you look at his uh, run in the uh, pre-Guillaume Donano, that was uh, his second last run as a three-year-old. He actually beat Avilius by five lengths that day. And uh, obviously he meets Avilius again in the round of this weekend. Uh, and in fact, he's, uh, I think, second favourite when I last had a look behind Avilius in the market. Uh, he also beats a number of horses we've seen down in Australia when third in the Irish Champion Stakes. Uh, he finished the head of uh, Mr. Moonlight Magic, the Taj Mahal, Christopher Moore, all three of them have raced with uh, some success down in Australia. Now, last season as a four-year-old, he only raced four times, and he seemed to just lose his way a bit. Um, he was well beaten uh, twice in the Huxley Stakes and also the Prince of Wales Stakes. He was dropped back to a mile, ran a little bit better uh, before stepping up to 2,400 metres again in the Glorious Stakes. Again, was a bit disappointing. Uh, the query now is how is he going to come back as a five-year-old? Hasn't raced since August. Uh, what is potentially a plus for him is that he gets to Mark Todd, uh, the equestrian legend, as his trainer. Uh, Mark Todd hasn't had much of a go at training thoroughbreds in the short, short span he did when he was uh, retired from uh, the saddle going back about 15 years. He did win a Grand New Zealand Oaks in a Wellington Cup in that short period. So... That, I don't think, is going to be a negative. Uh, he has always been owned by Peter Vella, who uh, remains in the ownership. So I think he's probably the, the one who creates the most interest because if he can find his three-year-old form, he's going to be something hard to beat in anything he tackles, and that includes the Queen Elizabeth Stakes against Wink. Now, that's a big if, but if he can do it, it's uh, going to make for a great Queen Elizabeth Stakes. As far as his racing pattern goes, he seems to do his best when he's rolling along out in front. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. He uh, did chase when he won the uh, Craven, uh, going back what uh, two years ago now. Uh, that said, he just he, he's very reminiscent of his sire, Frankel. Just he, he is best when he is able to just uh, run along at his own speed when really he's he's not challenged and he's not uh, having to think too much out in front. 
Yeah, okay. Well, all reports are that he's settled in really well there out at, at Canterbury, so we'll certainly be watching him with plenty of interest there on Saturday. The next ones we'll touch on... Actually, we might go to Kluger. Now, this is a Japanese horse. Uh, again, very hard to line him up. What? How can you tie him in with, with any Australian form lines, or can you? Not particularly. There are a couple of things there that uh, you can look at with regards to international form that then potentially uh, right back to Australia. If you look at, uh, for example, last year, his first... Oh, sorry, second run of 2018 over the mile. He finished uh, eighth behind Liz Grassier. Uh, Liz Grassier was just beaten in the Hong Kong Vars by Eminence. Uh, we saw a few horses come out of the Melbourne Cup running in that Hong Kong Vars. Uh, I think with him, on his best, on his very best, if you look at his form from late 2017 when he was third to Air Spinel, uh, he won the Group 2 Yumuri Milers Cup uh, in 2016. Uh, he ran seventh in the Mail Championship, which is their, one of their two Group 1 uh, races over a mile in Japan, and that day finished uh, just behind the likes of Persian Knight, who's been their best miler for a while. He finished ahead of the likes of Satono Aladdin, who uh, won a, a couple of years through the Kinnans. His best form is good enough to be competitive in anything he, he contests in Australia. Now, that said, uh, at his last two runs, he's been tried on dirt. Uh, I don't think he was ever really going to be suited by the dirt, and, and that sort of played out. Uh, in his last two starts. I think they're just trying to find something different just to switch him on. Uh, and potentially the triple way might be that, that sort of factor. So you can't rule him out, but I think we've learned uh, over the years you can never really discount anything that comes out of Japan. Yeah, that's true. They're such quality horses. He's, of course, going towards the Doncaster Mile, so one to follow there. On Saturday, uh, those two have already arrived. On Saturday, we're due in a couple of Godolphin horses for Charlie Appleby. Now, punters are very familiar with this trainer. They... I've got plenty of confidence now knowing that when this guy brings his horses to Sydney or Melbourne, wherever it be in Australia, they are generally very hard to beat. Yeah, it's been quite uh, the story to see what the Charlie managed to do, Charlie Appleby, just uh, even before he won the Melbourne Cup, uh, just to see the number of uh, cups that he's taken in both Sydney and Melbourne and just the number of successes he'd had. Uh, obviously, the Melbourne Cup has been the pinnacle, but... Uh, potentially he could uh, have a very good championships and uh, I'm excited to see what these two, two horses can do. Okay, so tell us about these horses. You might actually have to help me with the correct pronunciation, I believe. It's Doobie and Dubai. Have I got that right? Yeah, I believe so. Now, I've had to go back and listen to the way that Simon Holt and Craig Evans call Doobie. They've gone Doobie. Um, I'm actually looking forward to... I'm going to chat to Charlie Appleby next week. I'm looking forward to actually getting his pronunciation for it because it is... It is quite a difficult one. Um, look, he's well-bred. He's by Juvali out of Great Heavens, who won the Irish Oaks going back to 2012. Um, he's a horse that they've obviously had a big opinion of for a long time. Uh, he was tried in a listed race as a two-year-old. Uh, stepped out only once as a three-year-old, uh, one by four length that day. He was meant to run at Royal Ascot, and he was scratched. And then after that, he was gelded and only returned on the 24th of January. So he's obviously had his issues. Uh, but given... Uh, his last start when he was uh, a four-length winner over Red Galileo at Maidan. He, that was over the two miles. Uh, Juby was very uh, impressive that day. It was a very good staying effort. Uh, he was clearly rusty first up. Um, he finished a long way behind Spotify, who's also a good open horse, and Spotify's heading towards the Shima Classic next week. But uh, I think Juby, if he, can, if he can progress off that uh, four-length win over Red Galileo, uh, I think... 
the horse now who he's only had the seven starts. He's he's very progressive, and uh, he's the sort of horse who would always be dangerous down here, whether he was trained by Charlie or not. The fact that he's trained by Charlie Appleby uh, just only heightens his uh, danger there. Yeah, the market's certainly giving him plenty of respect. He's the the current favourite with Tab there for the Sydney Cup. Now, is he a horse that we can look at in familiar eyes with? We've seen Polarisation come down and win it. Is this a, a similar horse, or is this a horse with a little bit more upside, given he's so lightly raced? I'd say he's got more upside than uh, Polarisation, um, for sure. Um, you know, you look at Polarisation, he, he'd been tested through the grades uh, to some extent in the UK. Uh, you think with this horse... Like he's still only a four-year-old. His three-year-old season was basically uh, cruel for whatever reason, uh, and I'm not quite sure what that reason was. Uh, but you, you look at uh, polarization, and he'd already been uh, racing in plenty of handicaps uh, as a four-year-old in the UK. That's uh, instead of that, um, Doobie's coming down to, to Sydney early, and he's the type of horse who who really could produce a similar effort to polarisation but doesn't have the runs on the board that polarisation did. Yeah, all right. So what can you tell us about the second runner? Now, this is a runner, Dubai, that is likely to be targeting the all-age stake, so a little bit sharper. Um, where does he fit into the picture? Again, a horse I've always had a big opinion of. Um, I remember being at Ascot the day that Enable won the King George. That was July 2017. And this horse actually won on the undercard. And he... That day was uh, still a three-year-old, but he was stepping back from a stakes company into a handicap, and he won uh, rather impressively. He only won by a neck, but uh, he just he just found the line so nicely uh, over the Ascot Mile and uh, just shaped the horse with, with plenty of promise. Uh, he didn't really go on as a, as a three-year-old, but then he came back as a four-year-old. He went to Dubai um, and had form around Jungle Cat, uh, managed to finish fourth to Jungle Cat over the 1,400, then finished fifth, went home back to the 1200 uh, in the main lead-up to the Alcott Sprint last year. Now, we saw Jungle Cup come down, uh, obviously, and, and win the Sarifa Clark in Melbourne. So that's already a, a, a quite a good form reference. Uh, and he finished sixth in the, uh, in the Diamond Jubilee, I believe it was, behind Merchant Navy, again, a, a horse that we're very familiar with down in Australia. Um, and the thing was, as, as a late four-year-old, his form just seemed to become more and more consistent. He just he was able to sort of just start putting together um, his form a little bit more uh, solidly. And he seemed to really find a home over the seven furlongs, over the 1,400 metres. I think with him, uh, what was exciting was the way that he did return at Maidan. He won the Alpha Hebe Fort over the 1,400 metres. And... The way that he quickened that day, he, he had plenty, he had plenty of reserve the last hundred metres, but he just he just showed a turn of foot that uh, suggested he'd be suited to Australian conditions. Uh, he finished. Uh, he, he beat a horse called Mythical Magic, who I think was actually um, Charlie Appleby's original uh, contender for Australia. I think he wanted to bring him down to the Doncaster Mile, Mythical Magic, but then he came out and uh, won the Zabil Mile by three lengths and uh, they've decided to keep him in the UAE. So we get Dubai, and uh, as you say, the all-age, it isn't a race that's often targeted by overseas trainers. It can come at the end of uh, end of a season or uh, for a number of courses or at the end of the, the autumn, or it can be used as sort of a stepping stone to 
success in Queensland, I'm really keen to see Dubai here because I think obviously this is going to be his target. Um, I think he's going to be very, very hard to beat. Okay. All right. Well, the last thing I'll do is I'll put you on the spot just a little bit here. Question without notice, but if you had your $5, you could only back one of these imports in their designated targets over the championships. Which one is it? For me, it'd be Dubai, just because of the, the race that he's targeting and the the likely uh, nature of, of the assignment ahead of him. Uh, I mean, I think Eminence, Eminence probably the best of them, but there are so many queries. Doobies, at the moment... I, I still just want to see him take that step forward, which I think he can. Kluger, the same. But there are queries around all these horses. There isn't that query on Dubai, and uh, I think he also gets probably an easier assignment than the other three. So for me, Dubai is the, the the one to follow. Okay, well that's a great little leg up there for the punters. Maybe he's one to to keep an eye on there. Of course, after the championships. Thank you so much for your time, Hawk. Uh, all the best for the carnival, and uh, thanks again for joining us. Cheers, Brad.